0: is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 6.06 a.m. Central Standard Time. It's the 4th of December 2020. This is episode 333 of bitcoin and let's just start getting into this shit, man Ah, uh, we got this one from thomas m uh, writing for btc times 500 billion dollars is the quote wrong market cap for bitcoin says paul tudor jones billionaire hedge fund manager paul tudor jones first made waves in the wider bitcoin space in may this year when he revealed that one percent of his assets is allocated to bitcoin the emergence of which he described as the historic birthing of a store of value. In, a, in, in an interview with Yahoo Finance on Thursday, Jones reinforced his position. While emphasizing <clears throat> he didn't see himself as an expert on Bitcoin by any stretch, he showed himself convinced that the asset at this point is in time is severely undervalued, Quote, with a market cap of $500 billion, it's the wrong market cap in a world where you've got $90 trillion of equity market cap and God knows how many trillions of fiat currency, end quote. Notably, Bitcoin has yet to crack $500 billion market cap. At press time, the market cap sits at a record of $361 billion, as the price per Bitcoin has been consolidating above $19,000. Quote, Bitcoin reminds me so much of the internet stocks of 1999, Jones continued. Because the internet was in its infancy, no one knew how to value it. Because the world of possibility that lay ahead, he further outlined his conviction that in 20 years' time, all of the United—sorry, oh, all of us—will <clears throat> be using some type of digital currency. Adding that cash may be gone, reinforcing the narrative of Bitcoin as digital gold, which is which as which has won many supporters this year. Jones imagines a future scenario for Bitcoin similar to that of gold. Quote. It's going to be a lot like the metals complex where you have precious crypto. That might be Bitcoin, the first crypto, first mover in the world. It's so compressed. It has that historical integrity within digital currencies that it will always have. Because of its finite supply, that might be the precious crypto, end quote. Gollum. Sorry, The Wall Street Veteran sees Bitcoin's existence as the goal, as gold alongside sovereign digital currencies referring to central bank digital currencies and private digital currencies serving as a transactional purpose. Ultimately, nobody, not even Paul Tudor Jones, can look 10, 20 years into the future, but whatever that future looks like, it will be very different. Than what we see today. Quote, and I know that if I had to take a position, I'm going to take the brand name, which is Bitcoin. I'm going to assume that it's the wrong price for the possibilities that it has, and I'm going to assume that the path forward from here is north, end quote. It won't all be rosy, however, and Jones anticipates sovereigns to fight back against cryptocurrencies along the way in a similar manner to the ban on gold in the 1900s. Quote, they banned it, but it had appeal, it had a lure because it was the one thing that was constant, whereas fiat currencies are overshadowed by uncertainty. As for the foreseeable future, Jones expects a crazy rocket ship ride up and down along the way, quote, but my guess is that something like Bitcoin in particular will be substantially higher 20 years from now and who knows what role it has in the monetary system. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's completely clouded in the mists of time and all that. I don't know. I mean, I, clearly he he understands kind of what's going on. But what I think may be bugging people is that he said that $500 billion is the wrong market cap for Bitcoin when Bitcoin has yet to reach a $500 billion market cap. And I have a theory on this. I think people like Paul Tudor jones I think what we're seeing, I think that, I don't think that was a slip. I don't think he made a mistake. I get the feeling that people at this level like I don't know round up from 350 billion to 500 billion dollars all the time I I I I think that they they literally can look at 100 billion dollars not as an error but as a a range that they see that's how much money these people have been dealing with and that's how long they've been dealing with this type these types of amounts of money right That they're looking, they're like $350, $500 billion. It's all the same shit. Wow. I have yet, I'll, I may never see one billion, you know, I'll I'll never see one billion dollars because I don't want to, I just, I don't care. I I just want something, you know, a future for the, you know, for my family. I don't want to burn, like, what was it that we're starting to see? There's like sort of a a birth of a meme coming up where it's like, I really don't want to set the world on fire. I just want a future for my family. You know, I mean it's like look, if you want to set the few, the, wall, the world on fire, hey man, go you go right ahead. You know, there there are other there are other fish to fry too. You know, you don't I don't know, man, there's just this that that's just I think that again, I think this this whole thing billionaires like this that have been in billionaires for so long and have been dealing with such enormous amounts of money will literally look at 380 Between 380 and 500 billion dollars, and see them as almost the same number. I, I think that's kind of astounding. I think that's a, this is a lens into the mind of somebody who really hasn't been available to you know to us plebes forever, right? I think that's what we're seeing. I think we're seeing into the mind of you know we're starting to see into the mind of this these people because they're coming over to our side, and when they do that they have holes in their knowledge about what it is that they're interested in. And those holes allow us windows into how they believe, how they think, and it's actually kind of fascinating. So no, I do not think that Paul Tudor Jones made a mistake when he said $500 billion market cap for for Bitcoin. I think that, in his mind, is a rounding error, which I find fascinating. Um, India has reportedly have they reportedly have plans to tax crypto investors as bitcoin price and trading activities soar mandy williams is writing this for crypto potatoes says barely 10 months after the indian supreme court lifted the rbi's ban on cryptocurrency transactions fresh reports from yesterday revealed that the country's tax authority is now keeping a close watch on crypto traders as bitcoin's price continues its bullish trend According to local media, the Indian tax department is already in possession of data belonging to investors who invested in Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies through banking channels before RBI's ban in 2018. The department is coming after data. (laughs) This department coming after data shows a tremendous increase in crypto trading activities in India since the crypto ban was lifted earlier this year. Retail investors between the ages of 24 and 40 have been spending millions of dollars on crypto trading every day. Two of India's largest crypto trading platforms, Binance acquired Wazirix and CoinDCX, saw a significant increase in activities over the last six months. Um, According to an earlier report, Wazirix recorded a massive 125% increase in user signups in the last two quarters. The exchange has also has a daily trading volume of 19 to $26 million, with more than 85% of the transactions coming from Indian traders. Some experts believe it will be difficult for the country to tax crypto because there's no regulation in place for crypto dealings. They feel a regulatory framework will provide the necessary clarity to make taxation easier, while India is yet to release its crypto regulation. An earlier report suggests that the country may regulate crypto as commodities. Although it's unclear how India plans to implement the tax law, sources familiar with the matter claimed that the country's tax man is already preparing to collect tax on the gains made from Bitcoin and notice may be sent out to investors if, quote, something goes out of this. I don't know exactly what that means, but whatever. Experts believe that the tax authorities may classify crypto gains as business income, and investors may have to pay up to 30% tax on profits made from selling cryptocurrencies. However, some tax experts are advising their clients to declare their Bitcoin earnings as capital gains, which is similar to how profits generated from shares are done. So there you go. But India seemingly putting themselves in a position to be yet one of the third world, new third world countries, uh, because they're going to, you know, try to crush this shit and all it's going to take is a handful of countries across the world to say now man we're good we're we're good with crypto you come on over to our country you bring your brain power you bring your money and because they're going to want to build their economy and they're going to see that the repression that some people are suffering in some countries, namely the first world countries, which are probably the most prison like mechanisms that you've ever seen. We're all I think we're all coming to realize that we that the people in the first world are actually the the most enslaved. It doesn't look that way because we have all the money and blah blah blah. But honestly, if you look really, really deep, I think what we're gonna find is that we're probably People in the first world are probably more enslaved than anybody else. <clears throat> I'm just saying. I mean, there, there's mental prisons, there's physical prisons. Yeah, I know you're screaming about Foxconn. I get it. I mean, yeah, I, I I totally get it. There's actual real slavery going on. But when you capture the the minds and hearts of, you know, a population through fear, you know, how's that any better? I mean, yeah, sure, you eat. But, I mean, that just means that you live longer under the yoke of tyranny you know at least i know it's 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 a it's a bad comparison but still i think what's going to end up happening is we're going to have a bunch of countries in the world that start looking at this going you know we could change our fortunes overnight if we say if we announce to the world that we're going to use bitcoin as our as our reserve currency and We're going to invite people in because we're going to have, you know, like a very, very favorable tax situation on cryptocurrencies. And that's all it's going to take. There are people that are ready to bail from their mother, from their motherlands, because at this point, borders have meant so little for so long that, you know, people go, well, borders aren't important. It's like, yeah, they're important, important to a national identity. And I'm not talking about keeping people out or keeping people in. I'm just saying as these borders start to dissolve, so does, you know, in my opinion, so does a little bit of, you know, enough national identity to where you realize you don't really have to be here. Borders are dissolving because of technology. Borders are dissolving because of regulations. Borders are dissolving because, I don't know, like in our case in the United States, people in Washington just don't seem to know what the hell a border is, what it's supposed to do, what it means, or how to, how to uh, maintain it. When when you get to a point like that, your population doesn't really necessarily give all that much of a shit about staying. I mean, I could be in Cabo Wabo at this point if I wanted to. I could be in Costa Rica. I could be in one of any number of Central or Latin American places. I could. I probably they probably wouldn't let me into Switzerland because I don't have enough money. But I don't need to be here. I certainly wouldn't want to go up to Canada. That's all I'm saying, man. But so India. If you don't get your shit together, you know, it's just, just it's going to be bad for you guys. Bitcoin whales are selling. Yeah, let's see. What is the price right now? We're back below 19,000, just so you know. Uh, 18,753 is what I'm showing. So, William Suberg is going to tell us about Bitcoin whales selling to institutions as Grayscale adds 7,188 BTC in 24 hours. This is, Uh, Coming out of Cointelegraph, and it says, BTC whales appear to be selling to institutions as the supply squeeze tightens below $20,000. Data from various sources show that while more BTC returned to exchanges this week, large-scale buyers are still creating more demand than the supply can meet. Statistics from on-chain analytics service Coin98 confirmed that investment giant Grayscale bought twice as much Bitcoin as miners could create in the whole of November. Together with Square and PayPal, the other major corporate actors, uh, requiring more and more BTC stock, Grayscale is creating a supply imbalance to which price gains are the only logical outcome. This scenario set the stage for December with Grayscale continue, continuing its buying of Bitcoin totaling over 7,000 BTC in 24 hours as its Bitcoin assets under management now exceeds $10.5 billion as of December the 4th. Simultaneously, this week saw a Bitcoin break all-time highs and challenged $20,000 only to encounter massive selling pressure. Having bounced off lows of $18,100 and returned to circle 19000 BTC looks primed for another test of the seminal level. But selling dynamics remain unusual. With sell walls at $20,000 still firmly in place, long-time hodlers and whales looking to exit have reliable buyers in the form of Grayscale and other institutions. Evidence points to increasing inflows from whales to exchanges this week, something which coincided with the $20,000 attempt. Should selling already be keeping prices down, BTC should thus be finding its way from whales to the stronger hands of Grayscale and its clients. The phenomenon has even caught the attention of mainstream media. Quote, total accounts buying more than $1 million worth of Bitcoin and then moving it off of exchanges has skyrocketed, CNBC reported on Thursday. Quote, that's up 180% from 2017 to this year. Analysts say the signals this signals wealthy investors are loading up on Bitcoin and then storing it offline to store somewhere a little bit more secure. End quote. At the same time, total Bitcoin addresses and profit versus when coins were placed in them hit new record highs on Friday, according to the latest data from Glassnode. On Wall Street, meanwhile, news on Thursday came that Bitcoin and hundreds of altcoins would compose new cryptocurrency indices by S&P Dow Jones indices from uh, uh, January 2021. It's like a very poorly written sentence. That's not my fault, guys. That's actually how it's written. So you'll have to bear with me. Uh, We'll get to the index thing here in a second. But let's talk about the fact that now people are starting to scavenge... Bitcoin, right? They're actually starting to scavenge. They're, they're, people are looking for places where they can find Bitcoin that's available because the supply is drying up. Why do you ask? Is Bitcoin under $19,000? Honestly, dude, I don't know. I, I mean, it, it goes against all, you know, credible, everything that I've ever learned, it goes against it. Supply and demand as the base function of economies. Okay? It it th- th- if I compare it to that, it doesn't make sense. Supplies clearly drying up, and how do I know? Because wrapped Bitcoin burns are increasing as traders rotate capital out of the cooling DeFi market. This is Zach Vol writing for Coindesk sometime when? Yesterday. Uh, wrapped Bitcoin, the Bitcoin-backed token on Ethereum, now worth over $2 billion, has seen an increase in burned, or unwrappings, by some of its largest users as the Ethereum-based decentralized finance sector begins to cool. BitGo clients, including Three Arrows Capital and Alameda Research, are exchanging an increasing amount of their tokenized Bitcoins minted earlier this year for real Bitcoin, as the bullish cryptocurrency market continues to center on Bitcoin and Ethereum's decentralized finance takes a backseat for now. Quote, In general, the yield has dipped in DeFi and the increased trading on centralized exchanges directed our needs to do so, said Lan Gu, quantitative trader for Alameda Research, in a direct message with Coindesk. In the months following DeFi's red-hot summer when Bitcoin were wrapped, Faster than they were mined, the sector has cooled significantly and yields across various Ethereum-based protocols have subsequently dropped. Alameda's WBTC burns are also partially the results of shifts in their OTC order flow, that's over-the-counter, and internal capital base readjustments as the price of Bitcoin continues to climb, the firm told Coindesk. Another catalyst... For the increase in burns could be the unsetting of liquidity rewards program from leading decentralized exchange Uniswap on November the 17th, giving users less of an incentive to keep funds on the platform. According to Kirash Masari, wrapped Bitcoin product manager at BitGo, talking to Coindesk, Masori said the recent WBTC burns, quote, were expected. Oh, of course, right. To date, nearly 120,000 WBTC are still in circulation with over 8,000 WBTC minted in November. A record 4,300 WBTC were burned over the same period. However, nearly 2,000 more were also burned in the first few days of December with no new minting. Three Arrows Capital, another prominent wrapped Bitcoin merchant that burned over 4,000 WBTC in the past two weeks, declined to comment on why. They unwrap these coins. The Singapore-based trading firm has not minted new WBTC since October, uh, per Bitgo's wrapped Bitcoin order book. The market capitalization of wrapped Bitcoin is above 2.3 billion at last check. So I really think that what's going on here is that that liquidity is tight. There's not a whole lot of supply. I mean, okay, well, not liquidity, but I mean, well, yeah, I, actually, supply does affect liquidity. It always will. It always has, even though this, people will say that it's, de- it's detached, but that's just my opinion. I don't think it's as detached as we, we like to believe. But one thing that is for sure, supply is tight. I mean, when you've got, when you've got Grayscale buying 1,700 Bitcoin and you can only mint 900 a day, eh, you got a supply issue. And yet here we are below nineteen thousand. Okay, so what's going on now? Okay, well, people that had basically stored Bitcoin in this in this abomination of Ethereum, which is not remember, there's no such thing as Bitcoin on Ethereum. The Bitcoin remains on the Bitcoin chain and it's locked up in an IOU, and in return for being a dipshit, you get what's called wrapped BTC, which is just a shit coin token on shit coin network known as ethereum and that's all it is there's no such thing as btc on ethereum do not let anybody tell you different because they are lying to you or they are completely freaking ignorant about what's going on <clears throat> so now what happens you get the unwrapping the unwrapping is is occurring because people are like going shit. i can't get bitcoin anywhere else and i don't know how to sell you know i, I want to sell at this price i got in at this price so i, I need to exit. Or what you know, whatever it is, the weak hands are doing, because this is all you know. Um, it's smart to unwrap your BTC, but it's not smart to sell it. Now I'll, I'll say that. So even at the even though that they are doing one thing good by unwrapping their BTC and and taking possession of it before God knows at one point or another they can't. Um, they're not you know they they they're doing that and that's smart, but they're not being smart by selling it. That's just a weak-handed bullshit move. Don't be weak handed, but do unwrap all your BTC. If you've got WBTC, you need to get it out. I'm just saying, man. That's 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 just the smart move right now. Pakistan moves to legalize Bitcoin as economy tumbles. So we got here. We got Iran, who's using it to skirt sanctions and like you know, basically you know, legalizing mining and whatnot. Um, and then Pakistan, which is like right next to it. Uh, Now they're wanting to move uh, to legalize Bitcoin as their economy tumbles. But then we have right next to that, India, which has been a bunch of boneheads for the last five years. But anyway, Sharwa Mal was going to tell us about this from Decrypt and uh, was writing it this morning. State Assembly in Pakistan passed a resolution this week demanding laws for cryptocurrency ownership and Bitcoin mining, tweeted Zia Ula Bangish, an advisor to the government on Wednesday. We appeal to the central government to carefully consider our proposal for legalizing cryptocurrency, the resolution read. The motion was passed by various advisors and ministers and addressed to the chief minister of the Khyber, there's no way I can pronounce the name of this province, but it's a province, a mountainous region in northern Pakistan, It was signed unanimously, meaning the resolution was not met with any backlash or opposition from any other parliament member. Wow. Pakistan, home to 212 million people, grapples with a degrading economy and is perpetually on high alert border situations with neighboring India. It faces serious economic issues as per Middle Eastern policy think tank MEI and has seen a decline in its economic output this year as per the World Bank. But crypto offers a way out. At least according to some Pakistani ministers, they state the Khyber region's neighbor or naturally cool environment, cheap power, and availability of manpower are the classic trifecta of all conditions required to profitably mine Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Um, miners also need ownership laws if they are to profit off their efforts. Oh, you mean capitalism? Is that what you mean? Okay. And strict action. Wait. Currently, the ownership of Bitcoin is illegal in Pakistan, and strict action has been taken in the past against those found guilty. Two individuals were even arrested earlier this year after they were found trading cryptocurrencies, setting a precedent for others who took part in crypto. But the resolution aims to change this. Meanwhile, some individuals are fighting for their rights And the crypto industry and perhaps some nice profits. Wakar Zaka, a self-styled crypto influencer known in the country for his work in the sector, said today he installed a crypto mining farm in the country ahead of a pending court case against him doing so. So he did it anyway. (laughs) Local publications have since heralded Zaka's mining farm and his efforts in pushing for the resolution in Khyber province for jump-starting of the local economy. Yeah, so he just did it anyway. They told him not to. You know what he did? (laughs) He gave him the finger and did it anyway. This is good for Bitcoin. Honestly, it is. And, you know, like I said, it's not going to take long. It is not going to take long for some countries to figure out that the way to go is to be very crypto friendly. And I got, I know, I said the word crypto. We're not going to get rid of the shit coins. I, I wish we could. But we're not, it's just, it's just not going to happen. I mean, most of them will buy, but some of them for whatever reason are going to hang around. I don't get it either, but I think this has more to do with the human spirit or not spirit, uh, a human condition, the human condition of greed and this, like people have been holding on to freaking hex forever. It is the shittiest of the shit. Co- well, one of the shittiest of the shit coins and people defend it tooth and nail. I don't know if they're getting paid or if they actually believe that this thing is but I mean I I've, I've seen people still still rally around hex. I don't know, man. So we, you know the smart money is clearly on Bitcoin, but I think we're just going to have to deal with a raft of bullshit forever and ever and ever. Eh let's run the numbers. Looking into the crystal ball, I see the future. Commodities and futures. Oil is up a point. Both ones. Sorry, both ones. Both kinds. Brent North Sea is up a point. And also West Texas Intermediate is uh, up a point. Uh, West Texas is going to come in at 46 bucks. Brent's going to come in at just a hair under 50 Wow, that's interesting. Uh, natural gas being stupid again because it went down a whole point. It's going to come in at you know basically two dollars and fifty cents for a thousand cubic feet. Gold, you're saved if you consider a quarter point move to the upside being saved. Gold's going to come in at one thousand eight hundred forty six bucks. Silver's up a point. Platinum is up three and a quarter points. Jeez, dude about damn time. Uh copper is up a point and palladium, I don't know what you use palladium for, but I'm sure it's very important, is up $1 or sorry, 1.76%. Uh index futures were all saved if meh is being saved. Dow futures, oh wow, Dow futures are going to come in above 30,000 today. Hmm, interesting, it's up 0.44 S&P is up 0.38. NASDAQ Futures is up 0.35. S&P Mini is up 0.65. But real money tells a different story. We're at $19,070. We've got we a fairly decent low. Where, where, where did it go? GDAX is listing Bitcoin price at $18,816. So there's a fairly hefty arbitrage opportunity between wherever this high is and where and GDAX. I don't know where the high is. Um, we have 323,000 transactions being passed to each other in the last 24 hours. That's 13,500 transactions on average every hour. 1.8 million BTC have exchanged hands in that 24-hour period. And 75,343 BTC are being sent on average every hour. The average transaction value is 5.59 BTC. The median transaction value holds at 0.033 BTC or 622 bucks. Block times are still slightly low, 9 minutes and 44 seconds. We have 0.8 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 125 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. We have had a 8.22% shift to the upside in hash rate. That brings the hash rate of Bitcoin to 144.65 exahashes per second. Dogecoin falling off a cliff, 0.0033. I usually see it at zero zero point three six, Just saying, so you know. But at 38,000 transactions in the last 24 hours, it's walking all over Ethereum Classic. Uh, it didn't beat Bcash today. Bcash today had forty-nine thousand transactions, and uh, God, Litecoin, yeah, it's going up, man. Eighty-four, it's almost eighty-five bucks with sixty thousand transactions on it. It's, I don't know, man. Whatever, Clark Moody, what do you have to say about the transactions? Well, there's twenty-five thousand of them, and they're going to have to all be shoved in about forty-two blocks. For it to clear. All right. So 1,064 BTC are in the lightning side of the network. That's $20.2 million worth of uh, cash in the lightning network. And that's, ooh, we've got more nodes. 7,858 nodes and there's 35,960 channels. Uh, Tor capacity continues to rise 51.8% at this point. There are 551.14 BTC in the Tor side of the lightning network. And that's over 2,664 nodes. Uh, pri- Clark is looking at a price of 18,946. There are 18,561,881.65 BTC in circulation. One BTC is going to grab you 10.3 ounces of gold. And we're, our, our market cap has slipped against gold. We are now only 2.95% of gold's market cap. Uh, is that it? Yeah, I think that's going to do it, man. Um, that That's going to do it for Voters. What can I say? Mistakes were apparently made. Cyrus McNally writing this one for Cointelegraph. Did Fox Business... Book a Bitcoin SV proponent by mistake? It would seem so. The interview with Bitcoin SV advocate Jimmy Wynn on Fox Business came to an abrupt end after only two minutes. Let's get into this, Clannery. An unusual interview with Bitcoin SV, BSV proponent Jimmy Wynn on Fox Business earlier today appears to have been cut short after Wynn kept criticizing Bitcoin. (laughs) does it? Wynn appeared on the December 3rd episode of Fox Business's Varney and Co to discuss the increasing interest around Bitcoin, but the interview came to an abrupt end after a total of about 2 minutes, introduced as the Bitcoin Association founding president Wynn repeatedly took shots at Bitcoin in response to questions from host Stuart Varney suggesting that Bitcoin was increasingly being used for payments. There was no mention of BSV in either the graphics, the introduction, or the interview itself leading to speculation that the host or the producers or both may have been unaware. The Bitcoin Association president was actually an advocate for the controversial fork BSV. Asked by host Stuart Varney if he thought Bitcoin's use as a a currency was continuing to expand, Wynne replied, quote, no. I would disagree with that. I think Bitcoin is very rarely used today to pay for things at merchants, end quote. went on to name Bitcoin's inability to scale as the main culprit behind the $7 transaction fees that prevent it from being used as a currency for everyday transactions. Wynn also used his brief time on air to reject Bitcoin's store of value narrative while claiming it has been driving up its price recently. As an example of what is, in his view, an incorrect usage of Bitcoin, he mentioned companies that have famously added large sums of BTC to their holdings in recent months. Public companies such as MicroStrategy and Square have bought up large reserves of the coin and are treating it like a reserve asset hoping that it goes up in value just by parking it, not actually using it to transact with within daily business and consumer life. End quote. Bitcoin proponents and BSV critics took to Twitter to remark on some of the oddities surrounding the interview, noting they felt it was strange that Jimmy Wynn, one of the main faces behind BSV, was asked by Fox Business to speak about Bitcoin. Also noted, as curious was the fact that Wynn did not have the opportunity to mention BSV at all in the short interview, leaving the mention of his position as founding president of the Bitcoin Association without any sort of context to suggest it is a BSV organization. Twitter used Zektro, sorry, Twitter user Zectros said, "quote it's delicious, though, that he likely went on there with the singular purpose to shill BSV, and he couldn't even get that right. End quote. Bitcoin's, Bitcoin SV's claim to be the real Bitcoin and its use of the Bitcoin Association name rather than the more correct Bitcoin SV Association name invites comparisons with Roger Ver's promotion and sales of Bcash via the Bitcoin.com website which has led to potential confusion among newcomers to crypto. Now, there's no potential about it. Uh, people have been confused to the point that they buy an absolute worthless pile of garbage. Starting late March, Wynn took an extended hiatus from Twitter, Pro- Twitter prompting claims that he was intentionally evading, evading a subpoena regarding Satoshi claimant Craig Wright's ongoing legal battle with the estate of Dave Kleeman. He returned to the platform in mid-June, where he remains a staunch supporter and promoter of Bitcoin SV. On September the 30th, Wynn wrote a guest article for Coin expressing his desire to see the world unite behind a single blockchain. My God, Coin Telegraph, what the hell is wrong with you? Why would you even publish that shit anyway? So yeah, I, I have. This is the first I'm hearing about this, which is surprising. You'd think you would be all over, you know, all over Bitcoin Twitter, but. Alas, no. That is that is apparently not the case. But it's funny, it's damn funny. Um, this is not funny. Well, okay. Honestly, it's a little funny. William Foxley is going to tell us about it for CoinDesk.com. Writing on December the second, ten point eight million dollars stolen. Developers implicated in alleged smart contract rug pull. Another decentralized finance project was rug-pulled on Tuesday with some $10.8 million in investor funds stolen due to a hidden backdoor in the project's smart contracts. Compounder Finance, a self-described clone of Harvest and Yearn Finance built by pseudonymous programmers, had its contracts drained of $750,000 worth of wrapped Bitcoin, $4.8 $4.8 million ether or million worth of Ether, $5 million worth of DAI, and a small assortment of other tokens, according to an address associated with the exploit. And while the attack looks similar to other DeFi rug pulls or exploits, performed time and time again in 2020, this act of thievery is different because of the apparent non-compounders developers were playing, according to Robert Leshner, founder of Lending Protocol Compound Finance. In a phone interview, <clears throat> Leshner told Coindesk Compounder looked like any other yield farming DeFi project that took the cryptocurrency industry by storm this past summer. But the developers had snuck in a call function that allowed them to withdraw all funds from the project, an action a decentralized finance project should never allow whenever they deemed the booty large enough. That threshold was apparently met Tuesday, even though Compounder's token contracts were only created on November the 10th, according to EtherScan. Leshner called the rug pool <coughs> one of the largest, purposeful cryptocurrency exploits in recent memory. An exploit categorically different from other DeFi exploits because of its patent or sorry patient in the game. He also alleges that Compounder impersonated Compound Finance's name in order to lure in more victims. Yeah, that's gonna happen. A telegram group of investors is currently investigating legal moves against the developers, although little information is known about the faces behind Compounder. <laughs> <Jeez. coughs> Only now do you realize. One investor who claims to have lost $1 million in funds is offering a $50,000 bounty for information leading to the seizure of stolen funds. This is info, or rather, at Yield underscore info on Twitter. Uh, says, Message to the scammer of Compounder Finance just scammed approximately $10.8 million. I have personally lost approximately $1 million, and the rest of the crypto community lost $10 million from your rug pull. Now, this particular tweet is actually a series uh, a large tweet thread that basically is is well let's just call it hashtag cry more because this idiot got taken by just the same shit that everybody else is getting taken by more on that later compounders native token cpc cp3r is down 98.8 percent in the last 24 hours and is now trading hands at 24 cents <clears throat> Compounder was audited by Solidity Finance. Audits are typically seen as an act of good faith in the wild west of DeFi. Solidity Finance told Coindesk it found the time lock contract in question as early as mid-November and flagged it to the project's developers. It offered documentation as well. Unfortunately, Compounder not only knew about the function, but apparently had plans for it. Quote, the Compounder team swapped the safe and audited strategy contracts and replaced them with malicious evil strategy contracts that allowed them to steal user funds. Solidity Finance told Coindesk in a Telegram message, adding, quote, they did this through a public, though clearly announced or sorry, though clearly unmonitored 24 hour time lock. This issue of centralized control by the C3PR team was raised in our audit report and our discussions with their team. The team had the power to update strategy pools, and they did so maliciously here to steal user funds. In other words, investors overlooked the security hole, even though the time-locking question was flagged by the audit. That's because nobody's reading the audit. They can't. They don't know how. They just want money. That's the problem with all this bullshit. That's why I don't like DeFi, because it sucks in the 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 it. God, you know. It's like like putting a gambling casino in the middle of the poorest part of New Mexico, of which there are many casinos in New Mexico, and they are all on reservations. They are all on native lands. And generally speaking, you're talking about the very poorest people on the face of the planet being exposed to a place where they can go hand over their paycheck, what little paycheck there is. This is the same shit there is nothing different different about this shit. What you are doing is you are feeding on the hopes and dreams of people that think that they're going to make some kind of money, and you're just stealing it from them. And this has happened time and time and time and time again. But to finish this off, many DeFi investors are learning audits don't necessarily equate to a secure protocol. <laughs> Acropolis Finance stands as another recent example. It was hacked earlier last month for $2 million worth of DAI, even though its contracts have been audited by not one but two different firms. Indeed, audits come in different flavors. Solidity Finance told Coindesk it was mainly looking for external attackers. The firm plans on providing more information uh, on possible, quote, risks stemming from developers control going forward. Now, there's a correction as of December the 3rd. A previous version of this article stated that the time lock function was only disclosed to Compounders Finance team. The public audit report included this information. Okay, so there's there's the correction. Now, what's what you know there there's there's another nuance to this entire thing. And I don't remember the date of it, but it was the last what Bitcoin did interview that uh, actually it, was, it wasn't an interview, it was a debate. I believe Dan Held was on the other side, uh, but the person in question was Eric Voorhees. And so, I like I said, I believe it was Dan Held and Eric Voorhees. And Voorhees, as you can imagine, took the side of altcoins being good and righteous and all that bullshit, and Dan Held took the other side, saying that Bitcoin was really the only thing in town and everything else was just an illusion. And Dan Held was right. And you can think about Dan Held however you want to think about. But in that particular situation, he's absolutely correct. And it got to the point where Eric Voorhees was honestly, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, was saying shit like, man, dude, look at DeFi. If you think it's all bullshit, why is DeFi doing and DeFi this and DeFi that and oh my God, look at the numbers. Just so happens that was within a 24-hour time frame of Compounder getting hacked for $10.8 million. That's why, Eric, if you really want to know why we don't like this shit, this is why. This is exactly why. You and people like you are feeding, feeding on these people's hopes and dreams. You may not be doing it directly. Although I have suspect that you're probably part of the DeFi community in so far that you're balls deep with a bag, but be that as it may, let me just assume that you are not, that you're just a proponent for DeFi or an advocate for DeFi and that you don't really have any money in DeFi. Even then, you're taking part in the wholesale slaughter of people that are too stupid to understand what the hell's going on because you've obfuscated everything. You, at this point, they're auditing. They are literally auditing and the auditors are saying, here's the report. Nobody's reading it. You know why? Because as you know, they're blinded by greed and they are not looking at the evidence. They Nobody read that report. You know how I know nobody read the report? Because if they had, if everybody had read the report, there would not be $10.8 million stolen because it would have been emptied by all the people that read the report. What you're doing, Eric, is evil. And I'm sorry to say this, but you, you need to get out of this entire business. All you're going to do is get people hurt by leading them down these paths with, by saying that, but look at the innovation. There's no innovation here. There's none. Even if this thing worked flawlessly and nobody got scammed or rug pulled, which is never not going to happen, DeFi doesn't do anything. I mean, to mine a token, to harvest yield on another token so that I can earn yet another token, to go cut up fruit, I don't know what, what DeFi actually is supposed to do. It doesn't produce anything. There's no good that comes out of it. I mean, and I mean like a good, like a car, an airplane. It doesn't fund, like, I don't know, the Red Cross. It doesn't do anything. It just sits there in this really weird circular spin and the only thing that gets drained out of it is people's money. It's, just a, it's a gigantic whirlpool of theft, and you need to stop messing around with this shit, please, for the love of God. <clears throat> On to other bullshit. Bitcoin arrives at Wall Street. Crypto indices to be launched in 2021 by S and P Dow Jones Indices. Let's see. Jordan Leincev is writing this one for Crypto Potato. It's a bullet point list. Uh, index provider S and P Dow Jones Indices has partnered with crypto-based Luca to launch cryptocurrencies cryptocurrency indices following five hundred and fifty of the leading bullshit coins, except for Bitcoin, which is the only one. Founded in eighteen eighty two. Wow. S and P Dow Jones Indices LL, is a joint venture between S and P Global, the CME Group, and News Corp. It's among the leaders in providing investable and benchmark indices to traditional financial markets. The New York-headquartered organization plans to enter the cryptocurrency field as well, according to a Reuters report from earlier today. As per the report, S&P Dow Jones Indices has partnered with the digital asset company Luca to release cryptocurrencies and cryptocurrency indices. The innovation, the sorry, the innovative indices will use data from Luca. On more than 550 digital assets investors who want to take advantage of the new products will be able to work with the index provider to create customized indices and other benchmarking tools on cryptocurrencies peter rothman global head of innovation and strategy at s p dow jones indices asserted that the launch of the indices would come as a response to the expanding popularity and demand of cryptocurrencies quote with digital assets such as cryptocurrencies becoming a rapidly emerging asset class the time is right for independent, reliable, and user friendly benchmarks, he added. <clears throat> it's also worth noting that the cryptocurrency space, the Bitcoin, or sorry, and Bitcoin in particular, have enjoyed substantial interest from traditional financial organizations and individuals, prominent investors like Paul Tudor Jones, blah, 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 blah. So, anyway, you're getting indices. <clears throat> which I guess could act as oracles for DeFi. Maybe they'll be a little bit more reliable and result in less rug pulling, but it doesn't really matter because DeFi is evil. And if you're in it, you're part of the evil. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. If you're part of DeFi in any way, shape, or form, then you're part of that evil. And there's just no two ways about it. I'm going to be staunch on that. There's, there's, there, there's no hope for your soul. If, if, if you can do this to other people, by getting them into DeFi so that somebody else can enjoy all the benefits of their money, then you yourself, my friend, have acted in a a completely irresponsible manner to your fellow human. And screw you. Hope you die. Seriously, I really do. Hope you die. Um, Web creator Tim Berners-Lee has a plan to decentralize the web. Beware singular individuals who say that they're coming to fix it, even though Tim Berners-Lee is ultimately pretty much the guy that made the web. He's been in a tizzy over the last few years that we have that we screwed up the web. So he's here to fix it again, apparently. Robert Stevens is writing this for Decrypt.co. <clears throat> Sir Tim Berners-Lee, I'm sorry, he's a, he's a knight of the round table, apparently, the creator of the World Wide Web and CTO of Interrupt, thinks he's come up with a way to decentralize the web, but it doesn't have anything to do with the blockchain. Oh, thank God. Berners-Lee and CEO John Bruce explained at Web Summit yesterday, Inrupt last month released Solid, an open-source privacy platform that lets users store their own data, then grant access to companies and organizations at will, rather than letting social media and advertising companies harvest their data and sell it for hefty profits. This, Bruce and Berners-Lee claim, decentralizes the internet because it gives power back to the people who own and produce the data. So the default is, is that the information is yours, said Berners-Lee at yesterday's summit. Quote, you can share it with insurance companies if you want, if that's part of the deal, but you're in control. End quote. Okay, I'm going to hold off right there. You're not getting insurance unless you relinquish the data, says insurance company. That's why this isn't going to work. I'm sorry, I, I don't believe, I believe this is just, this seems really half-hearted on Tim Berners-Lee's part. Uh, no, no. Uh, same thing with uh, like a, a, let's see, a car company says, well, then I'm not going to sell you this car. Now, that's actually a little bit, a little bit more reckless of me to say because, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that say, fine, fuck it, you can have your car. <clears throat> and you can let it sit there on the on the lot and rot. But insurance companies, maybe health insurance companies, uh, they are going to do this. And uh, auto insurance companies will do it too. They'll demand your like that you put a control box in your car in in order to be able to secure um, insurance uh, auto insurance. Uh, all this is all this is bad. All this is bad. I mean, there's there's nothing. I mean, this like this is supersedes. You know market forces. I can't. I can't say any more about that. But the benefit of this is that businesses and organizations can focus on servicing customers. No, no, they won't. That's the, that's the mistake. Most organizations don't want your data, but they'd like to have access to it. A healthcare organization such as Britain's National Health Service, which is building an app on Solid, could focus on ensuring the British people remain fit and healthy. That's not what they're going to do. Quote, and that's a very, very different world than what we live in, where we don't have to surrender our data for organizations to service us. Bullshit. Yes, you will. But we can grant them access to it. We can trust them to work for us. So wasn't blockchain and crypto supposed to be about decentralized web? What? Isn't that what decrypt is all about? Okay. Berners-Lee explained, blockchain and solid are different, he started. Blockchain is a system where if everybody stores the same data, everyone has a copy of the blockchain. That's useful for when you want to, for instance, have a single ledger for everybody's identifications or what to spend in the bank, he said. Referring to Solid, everyone stores different data. Uh, You're not all tugging at the same level, nor, he said, are you paying to keep the same energy or the same system going. Each organization or individual on Solid has a pod, These pods represent silos of data that talk to other pods, so someone's pod may grant the NHS access to the pod that stores their health data. Hmm, it's a bit like blockchain, admitted Berners-Lee. Okay, I'm really confused as to what Tim Berners-Lee is doing. I'm going to chalk it up to he's becoming senile or something like that, but there is no way in hell that just because I can silo my data which is good. I'm not saying that that's bad. I'm, I'm saying that I would rather have all my data stored and only I have access to it. But the problem is, is that if my health insurance company comes to me and says, you will unlock your pod to us and here's a secure token to do so, or you are going to be delisted from your health insurance. Well, what do you think I'm going to do? I mean, they're holding it. like when, when you're, this is a, all the, okay, here's where it is. It's a $5 wrench attack. wrench attack fixes Tim Berners-Lee pie-in-the-sky thing about siloed pods. $5 wrench attack, but this time instead of coming from thieves who want to steal your Bitcoin, it's coming from corporate thieves who are going to force you to to give over your data to them in order for you to not incur a million-dollar bill when you go get an aspirin at the emergency room. That's all it takes that's the that's the five dollar wrench attack right here in a nutshell, and Spotify is staffing up for Facebook's diem, other crypto payments. <clears throat> i I love how Libra's name has already been changed after what uh, like maybe a solid year of talking about Libra. They've uh, changed it to Diem, which means day. <laughs> uh, they should have just named it Carpe diem. But anyway, a job listing specifically mentions the ex-Libra project and day-to-day interactions with the DM Association, as well as other potential moves in the crypto payment space. Andrew Hayward has got this one from Decrypt.co. Streaming music giant Spotify is beefing up its payments team in advance of the launch of Facebook-backed DM stablecoin project, formerly Libra. You mean failing. Along with other potential stablecoin and cryptocurrency-related initiatives on the horizon, Spotify has two associate director positions open in its payments division, one focused on strategy and innovation and the other on strategy and planning. The innovation-centric role in particular mentions the focus on Diem and other crypto initiatives. This role will report to the director, payments, strategy, and innovation and will play a key part in defining and implementing Spotify's payment strategies as well as leading Spotify's activity within the Libra stablecoin project and wider digital asset and cryptocurrency space, reads the description, which says the job will be based in either London or Stockholm. Additionally, the listing suggests... That the role will lead day-to-day engagement with the Libra Association and that you will drive further consideration of new opportunities and innovation in the emerging ecosystem of distributed ledger technology, blockchains, cryptocurrencies, stablecoins, central bank digital currencies, and other digital assets. Spotify's job listing comes on the heels of, uh, of movement from Diem. Most recently, with Tuesday's announcement of the rebranding of the former Libra project, the Diem Association also announced a handful of new hires to help ensure regulatory compliance. You mean slavery? I'm sorry, for the project, which has faced a fair amount of resistance from regulators. You mean slavers? I mean, uh, sorry, now transitioning to the name Diem, which denotes a new day for the project, the Diem Association will continue to pursue a mission of building a safe, secure, and compliant payment system that empowers people and businesses around the world, read the announcement. God, you better put a tie on that suit, Speed. Last week, financial publication FT reported that DM will finally see a limited release early next year. The report noted that Spotify could be one of the companies to support DM as a payment method on its platform along with Uber, but suggested that they would take a wait-and-see approach to the launch. Decrypt reached out to Spotify for comment on its plans regarding DM and other cryptocurrency initiatives, and we'll update this story if we hear back. So there you go, and that's going to do it for the Morning Roundup. Daily train Wreck brought to you by Rohan Gray. That's at Rohan Gray on Twitter. If you don't want to be held liable for the risk of processing illegal transactions, don't run a node that has a risk of processing illegal transactions. I seem to remember quite a few banks laundering money for Colombian drug cartels and a whole bunch of other criminal activity. I honestly don't know what this dude's on about, but he's getting savaged. Uh, and who is he? Well, he seems to be the assistant professor, probably, of economics at Willamette Law. Uh, he's president of the Public Money Network Manager at Freedom Box Foundation. See, Freedom Box. And this this dude has no idea what's going on here. Vice Chair of Digital Currency Global Initiative at Stanford and um, ITU. Wow. I don't this 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 fear mongering about oh my god you might have processed an, an illegal transaction I didn't process shit I mean, what's what does process actually mean was, Can somebody please define to me process when I got the you know when I got the transaction did I convert that into fiat of a government format and give it to you No so I didn't process shit. And also, at one point or another, we're going to have to start standing up <clears throat> and stop being afraid of, of going to jail. I, I, I don't know how, I know, I get it, but I've got kids. I don't know, dude, people in the freaking American Revolution had children too. Stop being a goddamn spineless pussy. I'm sorry, but at one point or another... The people of the world, not just the United States, but the citizenry of the world is going to have to stand up against their leaders because our leaders have been making bad decisions, terrible decisions, evil decisions, and just downright immoral and unethical bullshit decisions for centuries. And it shows. It shows in the death of good food. It shows in the death of art. It shows in the death of architecture. It shows in the death of you know, inter- <clears throat> interesting finance. the death of everything. Because we're just pacified all the time. All the time we get to go back and we get to sit in our you know, in our houses and watch our idiot boxes and shove our faces into a phone and and we're so mollified all the time that there's no reason to stand up. You're gonna end up in a situation where if we don't stand up all together at the same time and do real damage. I mean policy-wise, the the whole ball of wax to these people, then we're just going to be their slaves forever and ever and ever. And if that's what you want, well, then that's exactly what you're going to get. If you don't stand up and stand up now and say, screw it, I'm going to run a node. I don't care if there's illegal transactions going through it. You know, come, come at me, bro. Yeah, we may go to jail. You may have died in the, in the Civil War. You may have died in the American Revolution. You may have died <clears throat> in the Second Punic War in Rome. It doesn't really matter. If You're, you're either going to sit down or you're going to stand up. And I'd rather die on my feet. So that's going to do it for your smoldering pot. get a joke. Dad says jokes. A woman is on trial for beating her significant other with a guitar. Quote, first offender, the judge asked. No, she replied. First a Gibson, then offender. (laughs) Mr. Sue, that was for you, bro. Hope you're having a good day today. Um, that's pretty much gonna do it. We got nothing else. Oh, oh, I do need to mention this that that auction that I was talking about yesterday is going very well. Let me let me see if I can't get back to it. Do, 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 here we go. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, where's Chief? Chief Monkey. Sorry, I'm not like looking, I should have had this up, and I'm very sorry that I don't. Um, they've been keeping track on what the, the bidders here, um. It looks like there's some bidding wars going on here on this particular piece by Chief Monkey, which is a very pretty. Uh, it's sort of a cross between like it seems like a glass mosaic and a woodcut, and it the thing's the thing's freaking gorgeous. Uh, three hours ago, uh, the current winning bid is six million six hundred thousand satoshis, or one thousand two hundred and seventy-seven dollars. That's been given up by Max Scan. Um, or sorry, Max San, uh, there as of three hours ago, there was 56, uh, hours, 53 minutes and 47 seconds left. It's a three day auction. So this is going to be going on for quite a while, but the auction seems to be working just fine. Um, let's see here. Hold on though. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a, a small bidding war going on between Vizique and Max San, uh, Vizik. <clears throat> Has, was like was bidding. Uh, let's see, six million five hundred fifty. Max Sand came back with six hundred or six million six hundred. came back with six million six hundred fifty thousand. And Max Sand is currently on top of that stack at six million seven hundred. So they're just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. This is good news for the guys over at Scarce.city, City, which is the first. Uh, lightning auction house that I think is in existence. There have been lightning auctions before, but this is a dedicated platform. You can go over to scarce.city on the web. You can follow them at scarce.city where dot is spelled out D-O-T on Twitter and follow, uh, follow along with what's going on here. But honestly, this is Again, this this is good for Bitcoin because we're using Lightning Network to do auctions. And if this one, which is their first one, works and works well without any breakage or slippage or something like that, uh, then we're going to see a lot more auctions go up. And then that uh, platform can be expanded to whatever it is they want, or they can work with somebody. If they don't want to do something like eBay auctions, they can work with somebody and like maybe uh, license their tech, what they're using Uh, for people who do want to set up an eBay. I'd like to see an eBay set up on a lightning auction basis. That's all I got to say. With that said, I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.